The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What if we did a call-in show and nobody called? Fifteen million Americans are estimated to have had near-death experiences, but few want to talk about it. Well, we're hoping that NDE Radio will begin to change that situation. Here's the number to call, 888-463-6748. This is IONS NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, for this weekly exploration of NDEs and related mystical experiences. You can join this show on Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, or catch it later on our website at nderadio.org. I opened with a question, what if we did a call-in show and nobody called? Well, folks, we have that covered. I have some NDE stories uh, right here that I'm going to tell you. But in the meantime, please note our call-in number, 888-463-6748. The reluctance to talk about NDE store, uh, experiences is perhaps best exemplified in this story from a wonderful lady named Rose Murphy, who had an NDE way back in 1951, yet felt embarrassed to share it until more than half a century later. Rose wrote, I gave birth to my second son, Kevin, on December 19, 1951. It was at an old country hospital. Dr. Millen did not arrive before I gave birth. The nurse got me into bed and left. I was giving birth with no one around. I felt myself going into a black void. I moved in this void into a tunnel. I suddenly felt myself spinning through the tunnel and saw a circle of light at the end. I was drawn to the light, hesitated a moment, and suddenly found myself in the light. The immediate feeling of peace and love emanating from the light cannot be expressed in words. I was surrounded by God's bright light. I knew I was with God. I felt his unconditional love and peace. I don't know how long I was there, but I know I didn't want to leave. I wanted never to leave this beautiful place. Then I heard a most beautiful, majestic, deep voice say very slowly, Now that you know what it is like, go back and tell the others. Immediately I was back in my body. Saw my doctor at the foot of my bed scolding me for waiting so long to get to the hospital and heard the nurse tell me I had a baby boy. I became very confused and wanted to tell her I was with God but I didn't because she would have thought I was hallucinating or was crazy. I kept hearing God's voice and the words he spoke to me. I couldn't understand why this happened. I later realized that I had experienced a dry birth, which I learned is most difficult. My uh, amniotic fluid had been seeping out for about four months before the baby was born, and forcing the baby through the birth canal without, without the help of the fluid, I stopped breathing from exhaustion. I don't know how long I was in the light, but what I saw and felt will never leave me as long as I live. I will never forget God's voice and the words spoken to me. Many years passed. I pondered over what had happened to me. Each time I closed my eyes and thought about what happened, I would get such peace from hearing God's beautiful voice and his words, but I was so afraid to say anything to anyone. In 1976... 
I read Dr. Raymond Moody's book, Life After Life. I became so excited. I, I didn't dream it. I'm not crazy. Others had the same experience I did. Excitedly, I read a passage from the book to Frank and said, that's exactly what happened to me 25 years ago. I remember it as if it were yesterday. His nonchalant comment was, oh, you must have been dreaming. And I thought, that's why I never told anyone about it. No one would have believed me. But now I knew there were others out there that have had the same experience, and I felt so relieved. Dr. Moody coined the phrase NDE, near-death experience, because that is exactly what it is, experiencing death and coming back. The changes in my relationship to God, life, and death were tremendous. Physical, mental, and emotional phenomena surprised and sometimes frightened me. I tried to record some of these happenings, but some have eluded me. Frank and I relocated from Oyster Bay, Long Island, to Harmony, North Carolina, in December of 1981. In March of 1982, a trip to an eye doctor because of blurry vision led eventually to uh, another doctor in Charlotte. I went directly from his office to Charlotte Memorial Hospital, and I was admitted the next day for uh, where an angiogram was performed. The doctor informed me that he was to operate on one carotid artery the next day and the other a week later. After he was finished with me, he would have a neurosurgeon come in to discuss operating on an aneurysm in my head. What news just three months after we moved to North Carolina? Two hours after the second carotid surgery, I stroked and was taken back to surgery. With another full dose of anesthesia, they reopened and cleared a blockage that had formed due to the surgery. Back in the recovery room, I stopped breathing and felt myself leaving my body and going into a black void. It was so peaceful and quiet, and I knew I was with God. I remember saying to him, I can't go with you now. There are too many people praying for me. Instantly, I was moving back into my body, seeing a nurse at the foot of the bed and hearing her say, Breathe, Mrs. Murphy. Please breathe. Please don't die. I saw and heard monitors beeping, felt the paddles on my chest, a huge ventilating tube down my throat, and doctors all around me. I guess it was a normal code blue. I wondered how I could have seen all this if I was out cold. I know I saw and heard it all. If there's nothing else I've learned from my two experiences, Rose writes, is it is that God is with us no matter when, where, and how we leave our earthly body. He created us, and he is waiting for us with his open arms, his peace and unconditional love when we move into our next level of being. Life is not over. It is just changed. Rose LaBianco Murphy. And I thank you, Rose, for sending this to us. We have many such stories at the IONS website, and you should check out IONS, I-A-N-D-S dot org. Uh, it is... Um, it's an amazing site full of uh, news about NDEs and um, books that we have to offer through the organization and uh, stories about NDEs as well. Uh, so far, I have not heard any um, calls come in, so I am looking. Um, well, let me give you my, the number again. That might help. 8-8-3-6-7-4-8. That's 
888-346-9348. It's a toll-free call. And uh, we look forward to hearing from someone who may have had a near-death experience, someone who might have a question about near-death experiences. Um, uh, anyone that uh, might be listening, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, one of the great things the um, International Association for Near-Death Studies does is provides a monthly a near-death experience story goes out to all the members. And um, I thought what I would do is give you the most recent one as an example of what you can learn simply by being uh, a member of IONS. These, these are emailed to all the members. The following is the selection for the September 2013 monthly near-death experience provided as a service to members of the International Association for Near-Death Studies. This selection was taken from accounts submitted to the IONS archives and is provided here anonymously. In this account, a person who drowned twice in childhood recounts two very different experiences which resulted in different after-effects. After the moment of my death, I became like a breath and was breathed into the body of a nude, non-gender being. I was standing alone on a bare, sandy beach before a fairly still body of water, above which was an open blue sky. I was very confused and frightened. At the center of the horizon was a small patch of clouds, a patch which I realized was approaching me. As it approached, I saw that the clouds were actually beings, and as the beings crept closer, I saw that they were lions, seven of them with enormous wings. When they were close, I viewed them in great detail. Their wingspans were wide enough that they seemed to envelop the entire horizon. And we have a caller, so I am going to pause in the middle of this story and get on the line with Madeline. Madeline, are you there? Yes, sir. And how are you today? Very good, thank you. Good. How did you find uh, NDE Radio? Well, I'm a member of IAMS. Oh, very and, good. And, uh, of course, an experiencer, and I used to lead a group in the St. Louis area for years. Uh, oh, that's, for IAMS. that's yeah. So you've heard many NDE stories, I'm sure, over the years. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, tell us, uh, tell us about your NDE. Okay, I'll try to be succinct. That's not a very deep experience, but um, uh, some of the components are interesting. If I give you a little history, okay. uh, basically I was in a lot of pain, and I was a uh, secretary at the time, and I went into work because I had to support myself. So, you know, you just drag yourself to work. Well, I was in the restroom, and I knew I was going to die. That's a six thing that you can't explain, but I knew it. And mm-hmm. I had to get out of the bathroom. <laughs> I was, you know, there's a voice telling me you have to get out of the bathroom. And I walked down the hall, and my co-worker said, you don't look good. And I said, I'm going to be leaving you. I knew I was going to die. And with mm. that, it's like a spigot was turned on at my feet, and the blood ran out of me. Of course, in retrospect, that was my blood pressure dropping out. They drove me to the hospital, and my experience really began when they were taking me out of the car and putting me on the gurney. 
This is outside the hospital in the emergency area, and I separated from my body. And it was like I was thrown in a freezer when I separated, but I was up above this scene. I could hear and see everything that was going on, and the nurse was saying, I can't get a code, I can't get a pressure, no pulse, no pressure, and she kept repeating that. And then I followed the gurney into the hospital, and this is rather hard to describe, but it's a four-story hospital. So as I followed the gurney into the ER area, I could see above all these rooms in the ER. Like I could see my friends in the waiting area. I could see where they took my body in that room. I could see into other rooms, even though we were on the first floor of four mm-hmm. stories. I couldn't explain that. But I can tell you that I was uh, out of pain, totally at peace, not scared, not worried. I was wishing I could communicate with the medical team working to save me. I was 19 years old at the time, and I really didn't have any connections. And I thought, you know, I'm ready to go. I, I, I don't mind going. But with that, I... This is hard to explain, too, but I could read what was written on the hearts of the medical team. So I knew how much they wanted to save this 19-year-old girl they didn't know. And I was overcome with empathy and compassion for the medical team. And with that, I was back in my body. And the nurse said, I have a pulse, I have a pressure, and, you know, back in the table. I didn't go to the tunnel or see the light, but I was in touch with all the peace and love of the ultimate universe and and had all the benefits of an out-of-body near-death experience without fearing death or, you know, Mm -hmm. anything in that regard. Now, as a... As a chaplain at a, at a hospital in Maine, I get to um, go into the trauma room uh, when there when there's a what they call a code green emergency uh, in order to say prayers and the like. And uh, I I've always sensed the heightened uh, degree of urgency when it's a young person, a teenager who's in deep trouble physically. When you say you read the hearts of the staff, do you think you were hearing their thoughts, or actually reading something intrinsic to their nature as healers? Um, that's a hard one to to discern. It, it's, it's not so much that I heard everything going on in their head. It's more that that's why I say I read their hearts. I, I knew their motivation. I knew how much they wanted to save this girl. And when I came back on the table... I didn't want to say, I didn't want you to do this, because it would have been a slap in the face of their feeling a job well done sort of mm-hmm. relationship, you know. I was like, well, and I didn't do it either because I was in a hot Catholic hospital in 1975, and like you hear many people say, I thought they'd lock me up, so I was really <laughs> reticent no. for years. Now, Madeline, how long did it take you before you were uh, willing to tell people about your experience? It was into the um, mid-80s. I actually met someone in Salt Lake City, and 
you know, synchronicity. Well, they introduced me to Ian, and mm-hmm. that was the year. I can't remember exactly the year, but that was the year that there was a conference in the St. Louis area where I lived at the time. And I go, oh, I think I need to go to that conference. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, and and, and the rest is, as you say, is history. Uh, right. What motivated you to start a, a an IONS group? Well, um, just wanted to. I think as the first experience you read today said mm. uh, we're supposed to share this, and yes. not just in sharing, but I wanted to help people with the transition, with the process of coming back and. And get you know bringing that peace with them and and being able to transition so that they can share the information. Well, Madeline, thank you so much for calling in. You're the first, the very first caller <laughs> on our first call-in show. So, and um, this will be archived. So, um, your story is uh, as immortalized as the internet can get. I guess. I Thanks guess. again. Well, Lee, thank you for your work. You take care. Bye. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Um, now, we may get another call in just a minute, but I want to get back to the story I interrupted because um, it was getting very interesting, I'm sure. I will jump back a sentence or two. This um, near-death experiencer saw lions, seven of them with enormous wings, and when they were close, he says, I viewed them in great detail. Their wingspans were wide enough that they seemed to envelop the entire horizon. Their paws were enormous, curled up, uh, curled under a bit in relaxed fashion. Their faces, however, were human, with eyes fierce and kind and loving in a way I have never experienced on earth. I felt only comfort now, as if nothing could possibly harm me, and I experienced an overwhelming feeling of complete joy and contentment. This is the moment I was revived. I believe that had I not been revived, I certainly would have been escorted away with these amazing creatures. I have since always been capable of of envisioning this image in great detail, and it is beautiful to me. We are hoping that uh, we'll get some more calls, and our phone number is 888-463-6748. And you can call us with a, a question or a story. Um, something to do with um, NDEs or any other form of mystical experience. Um, it's amazing when you talk to people about these subjects, how it seems almost everyone at some time in their life has either had a mystical experience or uh, has heard a story from someone they know and love and trust about a mystical experience or witnessed um, the death of a, of a loved one who was having a mystical experience as they slipped away. So um, we love to hear all of these stories. They are um, uh, a great comfort to people who are afraid of dying because they are such a a warranty that our souls are eternal. Now, I'm going back to uh, the NDE I was reading from the fellow who saw the winged lions. He continues, I was only a toddler, and when my mother realized I was unconscious, she called a family friend who was a registered nurse who talked my mother through my resuscitation. 
I received no medical attention afterwards, although I did suffer brain damage. Through my childhood, I experienced petite mal seizures, and my short-term memory was permanently damaged. And then he goes on. It was summer, and my older sister was having a few friends over for her 15th birthday party. We had an in-ground swimming pool with a slide, hemmed in with a privacy fence from the rest of our yard, which was quite large. My sister and her friends were leaving, and as they were shutting the gate, I said, Hey, watch, and slid down the slide on my back, head first. As soon as I hit the water, the girls left, not knowing that I hit my head on the square plug at the bottom of the pool and split my head open. I was knocked, I was not knocked unconscious. I curled into a fetal position, inhaling water. The sun was shining, sparkling through the water, and I saw blood pooling in front of me in contrast with the blue pool. I do not recall feeling any real pain or extreme panic. I do not have a concept of time, but Eventually, I could see our house from an aerial view of about 80 feet. I saw the roof of our house, the entire yard, my sister at the gate on the other side of the yard, about 60 feet from the pool fence. I saw my mother mowing the yard around the apple trees, which was quite a distance from the house. I also saw myself curled up, a tiny figure on the bottom of the pool, with blood pooling around my head and neck. I was then shuttled through a tunnel of rainbow lights at a speed which cannot be described for a period of time which I cannot estimate. I emerged at the entrance of a beautiful garden at the center of which was a hall open with pillars featuring calm blue sky with white clouds. There were small plants and rocks surrounding the first few pillars. Then the pillars extended into a mist. I felt a presence to my left, but there was no sound. To my right, a woman was sitting weeping on a stone, being counseled by someone wearing a simple white garment. Though no words were spoken, I heard their conversation intuitively. She was mourning her own death and was very worried about her daughter, whom she was leaving when she died. She had died of an incurable disease, however, and could not go back, and her counselor was comforting her, communicating that her daughter was grown and would be fine. I could feel this woman's heart breaking. I was not counseled directly and felt very calm. I knew that I was free to pass down the hall or return to life, that this was my choice, unlike the woman who was unwilling to accept her death. I very much wanted the relief of continuing down the path before me, but I could also envision my body in the pool, and by choosing to depart that life, I would be giving up a priceless experience that no matter how great or small the accomplishments were in this life or how difficult this life may seem, that the human experience is invaluable and precious and that everyone's life is this way. I turned my back to the pillars and awoke in my body before I was found by my sister, opened my eyes briefly, then passed into a deep darkness until my sister found me, pulled me from the pool, and resuscitated me. I was potentially dead for about 10 minutes, perhaps longer. The drive to the hospital was about 30 minutes as we were rural and I came close to bleeding to death. The incision on my back, on the back of my head was closed with 15 stitches and I contracted pneumonia. My short-term memory, which was damaged by my previous drowning, did not seem to be affected at all, at least as far as I can tell. My memory problems began from the earlier drowning and did not become worse 
following the second. I find this rather peculiar. However, on the way home from my week-long hospital stay, we passed a small house on a country road, very nondescript, yet I immediately knew many things about this house as I had lived in it and was aware of who lived in it. This was the first time I had ever experienced any form of psychic intuition, but I've learned not only to live with it, but to abide by it. I do, however, tend to keep it a secret from people. And that's what this show has been all about, how people are very strongly uh, uh, concerned when they've had an NDE or a similar mystical experience that people will mock them or ridicule them or tell them they were dreaming, tell them it was not, uh, couldn't possibly be true. And no one likes to sound like a fool. And yet the power of a mystical experience is so great, so overwhelming, that in your heart you know it was not dreamed, it was not imagined, it was not uh, the effect of a drug or hallucination, uh, anesthesia, or any of those things. And the confirmations come later in the fact that um, an out-of-body experience uh, probably leads to your knowing what was going on in the room when you were dead on the operating table. People drift through the walls and, and hear conversations of their loved ones, see their family weeping because they think perhaps the patient has died. Uh, some people even hear the thoughts of, of others, other patients in the hospital, and can travel from room to room or look down from the, from above the whole hospital and, and observe things that, uh, they couldn't possibly know in any other way. One of the big jobs that IANS has taken upon itself is to encourage people, and today, especially, uh, returning veterans from, um, from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and even those who've gone through the wars in, uh, in Vietnam, who had near-death experiences, who may have PTSD, and this is complicating their PTSD, uh, we're there to help People talk about this experience. It's very important. Uh, the, an NDE is a is a great gift, uh, like the story Rose Murphy told. It's a great gift from God, but we are, by receiving this gift, obliged in some way or another to pass it on, to uh, share it with other people, and uh, this is what IANS does, uh, along with many other things that IANS does. Uh, we had mentioned earlier in the show that um, the Madeline, the caller, had given us um, a little of her history starting a local group. If you um, check with the national office uh, through IANS.org, you uh, can find out where there might be a local group, a support group, uh, an information-sharing group. Uh may bear the name IANS. Um, it's probably in some way connected with us and through them, you could go to a small group and hear their stories and talk about your own experience and learn a great deal about what happens when we cross over to the other side. It's very exciting, and uh, we, uh, we welcome those who want to to even involve themselves in starting a group locally if there is not one. And uh, you'd be amazed at how quickly people will come out uh, once they hear that there's a place they can share this, their story, 
uh, with people who've had similar experiences. And we hope to do this again um, on uh, Ions Radio, um, your nderadio.org of the air, if it's uh, only the Internet air we're speaking of. And I would like to uh, uh, suggest that we will do this probably on a regular basis. I had a, a letter, an email from a person I respect highly who urged me to uh, involve more first-hand NDE stories on the air. So we will be doing this again, and I, I will invite you once again to be part of the show. In the meantime, I want to thank Madeline. I want to thank Rose Murphy for sharing her story. And um, that will be it for our first call-in show of NDE Radio. If you'd like to hear this or other NDE Radio shows again, they are all archived, thanks to TalkZone at nderadio.org. And for more information on near-death experiences and the work of INs, check out our website, iands.org. And be here next Monday. 11 a.m. Eastern Time for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening.